2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Happy Wednesday, Bengals fans. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, Today we will cover the zooming of Joe Burrow, the piece that Paul Daner Jr. did over at theathletic.com that goes into detail about what the Bengals are doing to get their quarterback ready to go. And they've been very creative, and I really like the detail that Paul goes into in this piece. He talked to Brian Callahan. He talked to Dan Pitcher, the new quarterback's coach for the Cincinnati Bengals, in case you forgot. Then we're joined by Elise Jesse, who did a fantastic story on the Bengals' team decision to not take a knee in Green Bay on September 24th, 2017, when many Bengals players reportedly wanted to do so. We'll be joined by her later on in the show, but let's get started with a look at Paul Daner's report amidst reports and speculation that there may actually be fans in the stadiums in 2020. This was a really interesting piece, James, that is worth talking about in some level of detail. Paul Danner got great information from Brian Callahan and Dan Pitcher, the Bengals quarterbacks coach, about what they're doing to prepare Joe Burrow for the season without being able to get together in person. And there's also the very exciting tidbit that we've talked about a little bit on the Lockdown Bengals podcast that said, Joe Burrow and his receivers might actually get together here in a couple weeks around the 4th of July weekend. So that's exciting. And on top of that, it's great to see how Zach Taylor and this Bengals coaching staff has gotten creative with technology to simulate some real world sort of situations for Joe Burrow, setting protections, calling plays, breaking the huddle without actually being together on a football field.
0: It's reassuring. Because whether we like it or not, the odds are stacked against the Bengals this season. And I don't mean that from a talent standpoint. I mean that from a, well, they they have a couple new coaches. They have a ton of new players. They have a rookie quarterback who hasn't even met A.J. Green in person. The last time they talked to Joe Burrow in person was at the NFL Combine. And so they had to get creative. And it is extremely reassuring to know uh, some of the details. And and, and I will praise... uh, paul daner jr for getting this but also the fact that zach taylor was willing to to give out some of this information because I, I think when Bengals fans read that or if they're hearing us talk about it now it's like oh okay so when joe burrow gets out there against the chargers in september yeah he might be overwhelmed a little bit but he's also going to be prepared even though they've been meeting virtually all off season so um i, I think it's uh it's reassuring, and it's it just goes to show that Zach Taylor, we don't know how he is as a head coach, right? The verdict's still out, but he's going to be creative, and he's going to do everything he can to be successful. Now, whether it works or not, we'll see, but I like what I've seen. So here's some of the ingenuity that
2: Paul Dana wrote about in his piece. For one, they would set Joe Burrow up with a headset that was connected directly to Zach Taylor he and Trey Hopkins would be the only two guys in the zoom meeting unmuted. And they would talk through getting protection set or Joe Burrow would relay the play from his ear, which was connected directly to Zach Taylor to everybody else who was listening. And then he and Trey Hopkins would get into making changes at the line of scrimmage that they would need to make. So obviously there's no crowd noise here, but they found a way to simulate Zach Taylor in Joe Burrow's ear. And they got Trey Hopkins and Joe Burrow talking about protections and I mean, can you think of a better way to do this remotely? I mean, I I feel like maybe every NFL team figured this out, but this is not something that I would have given any thought to, even approaching in a virtual
0: setting. And the Bengals here have found a way to do it that I think is probably pretty effective. Especially when you take into account, again, you're talking about a quarterback that needs these mental reps that they, we talk so much about working out with A.J. Green, but the mental aspect of it for a rookie is probably the, the most crucial thing when you're talking about the quarterback position. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that this was perfect, uh, a perfect way, at least on the surface, right? We weren't in those meetings. We don't know how effective they are, but it, it sounds like they were pretty effective, right, from the the detail that, that Paul Daner uh, got into in this piece. I know Albert Breer wrote about it, it and it's, it, to me, This is the blueprint. Like if you were going to to look at a blueprint of the Bengals offseason, for the most part, they've been able to uh, follow it and make the necessary moves, both roster wise, but also navigating this pandemic. They've done it the right way. And uh, hopefully it pays off in their case. Hopefully it pays off this fall. And here's my favorite quote from this
2: entire thing. Brian Callahan said, sometimes Joe Burrow would say things early on and I'd have to tell him, we're not talking about that right now. Let's get through what we need to get through here and we can revisit that later. Because Callahan says, Joe Burrow is is thinking so quickly and processing new information so fast that he's ahead of things. And he's hearing concepts for the first time. They're teaching him at a rookie's pace and he's ready to take it to the next level. He's thinking, okay, this is the basics, but... What if I get this adjustment? What's my throw? And, and Callahan is having to pump the brakes so that everybody else can keep up. So when you're getting that sort of processing from a rookie quarterback in these meetings and they're this far ahead for install so far, I'm really looking forward to what happens when he gets on the field with his teammates.
0: And one of the other more interesting points in this piece, and you mentioned it, was the fact that there's still hope that the Bengals can work out together, right? That Joe Burrow can get together with A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd and John Ross and T. Higgins and throw to them after the July 4th holiday. Uh, I, I do think it's worth noting and worth mentioning that on Tuesday, it was reported that Tom Brady's still working out with his Tampa Bay Buccaneers teammates, despite the NFL PA's advice to stop group workouts. So if Tampa Bay can do it, if Brady can do it, then maybe – Bro and the Bengals could get together uh, in a couple of weeks and and, and see if they can work out it. And here's the other thing, Jake. Maybe in a couple of weeks that the NFLPA lifts that advice, right? Maybe this is just for the next couple of weeks and and, and something changes. But uh, I don't know. How do you feel about the Bengals potentially getting together given that the NFLPA doesn't want that to happen? Let's just hope everybody stays safe. It'd be great if they can get
2: some work in together. But all I really care about is that these guys stay healthy and let's get to tomorrow. That's kind of where everybody's at right now, right? And so that's really my only feeling. It would be great to see some photos of Burrow in stripes. So it would be great to see some video of him throwing to AJ Green or John Ross or whoever gets together. I mean, just from a, from a fan perspective, from a morale perspective, but from a human perspective, I, I think certainly that the first thing for me in any conversation right now is... Let's hope these guys stay safe and healthy. Coming up next, though, James, we talked to Elise Jesse about what happened in Cincinnati back in 2017. And I've talked about on the podcast that Marvin Lewis, at least what he told the media that day, was that the Bengals opted to link arms in the name of unity. It sounds like that direction might have come. From way up high in the Bengals organization against the wishes of up to 30 players, potentially, that got together in a players only meeting ahead of that September 24th game in Green Bay. So we'll talk to Elise Jesse, who had a fantastic story on this on WLWT.com coming up next. James, I know you love your built bars, and right now, 50% off everything. On the Bilt Bar website, 100% of profits going to organizations that support education and ending hate and racism. And on top of that, 50% off, if it's your first order from Bilt Bar, you can use promo code Locked on BiltBar.com to get $10 off your first order. And James will rave about him. So, James, rave about him.
0: Ordered four boxes the other day, uh, got some more mint chocolate brownie. Look, it's the best protein bar on the planet. I've had a lot of them. I've tried a lot of them. You don't have the the chalky taste. This is a chocolate bar. You say it all the time. It tastes like a candy bar. So it's great taste, packed with protein, low sugar so you can hit your macros. It's everything you could want in a protein bar. And, And right now, like you said, Jake, use promo code LOCKEDON, get $10 off your first order, and take advantage like I did a 50% off their 50% off sale right now at BuiltBar.com.
1: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Let's keep things rolling here on the Locked On Bengals Podcast and welcome in Elise Jesse from WLWT Channel 5 in Cincinnati, dropping a bombshell on Monday evening. She released an article, and you could check this out. You should check this out at WLWT.com. Here's why current and former players say they didn't take a knee during the Anthem back in 2017. Elise is joining us now. And, Elise, there's a a lot in this article. Uh, Let's Mm -hmm. start with what led to this. What led to you pursuing this and ultimately writing this piece? Did a, a player reach out to you? Did you... Uh, think back to 2017 after everything that's gone on in the world over the past couple of months. What what led you to, to this article?
3: Honestly, James, that's such a good question because I was not pursuing this story at first. Um, I didn't even know that there was a meeting in 2017 at first. I reached out to a couple of guys just to find out, you know, I was, my angle was Um, to talk to pro athletes about how they go about their lives and what they face every day as a black man in America and what, what they have to do differently being a professional athlete at the same time. So that was my goal. And then suddenly one player was talking about, um, Drew Brees. And I just kind of asked, like, what do you think about everything that's transpired with Colin Kaepernick? And then it rolled into kneeling was my biggest regret. And there was all these meetings. And I'm like, wait, what meetings are you talking about? (laughs) So he goes into the meetings. And then I do a, a similar interview with a different player. And he starts referencing the meetings too. And I'm thinking, okay, this is something that I cannot ignore. I have to follow up with this. And so I did. And initially... I was told that maybe those players were exaggerating. So I decided to get more interviews and wound up getting 10 more and they all said essentially the same thing. Um, so I knew I had, I had, I had to write about it. I couldn't silence those stories. Um, so that was kind of the spot that I've been in the last three weeks (laughs)
2: And that's three weeks of a lot of work. You said in the piece you talked to more than 10 players about that weekend. What mm-hmm. what were the anomalies or what, did anybody stand out without naming names, obviously, as a lot of the players spoke under the condition of anonymity, but w- were there any stories that strayed or, or was it all really consensus, the same kind of, recount of those events before that game
3: a lot of the accounts were very much the same there were a few who viewed it differently um you know some guys viewed that whole you know the emergency meeting there were many meetings had but the emergency meeting specifically um some guys viewed it as mike brown being almost like a father figure and saying that he would be disappointed if they knelt other guys viewed it as him saying don't you dare kneel! And other guys were saying that he was extremely emotional and pleading with them not to kneel. And I get that every single person experiences events differently. Um, so I was really trying to find the middle ground among all of the interviews that I had been conducting. Um, so, so that was really the interesting part is just seeing how each player viewed the same meeting differently. Um, but the basis of all of these accounts was the same. The goal of the emergency meeting was to make sure the players didn't kneel. At the end of the day, every single player said the same thing on that part.
0: Elise, I think one of the more, I guess I'll say shocking uh, details in here, you, you mentioned Mike Brown meeting with the team, but I haven't seen a, a, an emotional Mike Brown much, if at all. <laughs> It'll give you a casual smile or crack a, you know, a joke. But I haven't seen him emotional much. So the fact that players described him as emotional, and I think you used the word, or a player used the word begging in the piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, for players or them not to kneel. I think that's pretty telling.
3: That That's actually something that I brought up with a lot of the players. I said, you know, I've, I've sat down with Mike Brown a few times, um, especially at his mock turtle soup luncheon. Um, I've never seen him emotional ever. And this will be eight seasons covering the team. And I've never seen that side of him. And the players also said the same thing that I did. They said, I've never seen anything like that from him. They have never in playing for him and being around him much more than I would be. They had never seen anything like that from him either.
2: That's quite interesting. And, and on the heels or before your report actually came out, the Bengals gave the $250,000 pledge to community initiatives. One player you talked to was quoted in your piece as saying, you can't throw money at a problem, especially a problem so serious more than five years of experience in the league. And you said that a few players felt like this was a uh, shallow intent. Meanwhile, you, you do point out that the Bengals paint a different picture through the team website And the statements they've made, they talk about their involvement in the community, their involvement with breaking some barriers historically. What's your sense from current players about what's going on now, especially as it relates to 2017? Or did you have the opportunity to talk to players still with the team about what they think about what happened back then?
3: The sense that I got is that current players um, want more from management. Um, they certainly wanted a statement back in 2017, one that, you know, after Donald Trump, um, essentially called them SOBs if they knelt, um, they wanted a statement from Mike Brown that essentially gave notice to the rest of the world that he had their backs and that didn't happen. And I think that was frustrating for them. Um, and even now they still wanted a statement with everything that was going on and they don't feel like they necessarily got that and from my this is just my my take from all the interviews that I have done over the better part of a month is that they're they're just they seem like they're disappointed that they haven't had the management back them up if that makes sense And say that they're important and say that they care about the social issues that are going on in the world. And, you know, referencing and noticing the fact that some of the players, more particularly the Black players, deal with different issues than other people who are white, for example.
0: Have those players given any... Any solutions? Like, do they want, uh, you know, more, obviously more than a statement, they want action. Uh, But there's been reported, I know the Bengals have put out now two statements. Um, One that discussed a a giant team virtual meeting, where they talked (laughs) about, you know, racial and social injustice. Were players Mm -hmm. satisfied with that? Or are they still wanting more, given where we're at in America?
3: Well, a few of them did mention the Dive Right program um, that a few of them were involved in. Um, And they did mention that meeting. Um, I question whether or not I should say this or not, but a few players told me about how there was a a meeting before the published meeting about how they all had resolved and I, it's hard to do. Like when you have a virtual meeting of more than 90 players and coaches, you have 90 players plus the coaching staff. It's hard for a player to open up in that big of an audience. So a lot of them didn't feel comfortable doing that. And so the next week when um, I thought Zach Taylor was really smart with this, he decided to break down the groups into smaller groups so that they could discuss. You know, how they were feeling about what was going on in the world? And that actually ended up being much, much better for the players. Um, Yes, they want the statement. Yes, they want to feel like management backs them up. Um, But they're not, they're not, I don't think they're discounting the fact that, you know, the Bengals, you know, do the dive right program and do stuff like that. I think they just want a little bit more and a little bit backup is really the word that I've noticed that they've used.
1: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Elise, you talked a lot in this piece and you're talking a lot, I think, about management and the front office. You did mention that Zach Taylor had a, you said, good move of of kind of adapting and, and having another set of meetings do you get the sense that Zach Taylor is bringing the sort of leadership that a head coach should be applying in this sort of situation? Obviously, this is really nebulous and, and uh, challenging ground in any organization, any professional organization and, and professional sports with such a, a microscope over them. Did, did you hear any feedback from players about the way that Zach Taylor is approaching the situation?
3: a few of them spoke on it. I, I, I was what I took away from it was that I was impressed that he realized and noticed that no one spoke up in the first meeting. And the fact that he was willing to basically do everything over and adjust what he had previously thought was a good idea and make sure that the players felt comfortable enough to express themselves. That says a lot to me because he was, you know, basically calling an audible at that point. Right. I mean, he thinks that, you know, he'll be able to open up the floor and people will start talking. They didn't, he wasn't expecting that. I don't think. So he had to completely change his game plan with that. And the other part of that is like, you know, just like him, I'm also white. I know that I'll, I won't ever experience what a lot of these guys experience. And I've talked to so many of them about what they go through day in and day out, especially if somebody doesn't know who they are and what their family members go through. And, um, you know, just certain rules like you can't wear a hoodie into a store. Don't hold something that you're not going to buy. Make sure you get a bag, make sure you get a receipt, um, don't wear a wife beater while you're driving. Just like things that I would never think of that they've been through. And I will never experience that because I'm white and I won't understand it because I'm white. And I think the fact that he realized that also says a lot. And I think that that garnered a lot of respect from the players.
0: It sounds like there's at least a path for the Bengals to, uh, from a team standpoint, come out of this situation stronger and closer together which I I think if you're Zach Taylor that's what you're you're hoping for um ownership aside and and I want to ask you uh about Mike Brown and in this moving forward but is is that the case you think you think that this team today given who you've talked to and I get it you haven't talked to all 83 players on the roster and every coach but do you think they're closer today than say they were uh, a month ago before they had some of these conversations I
3: think and with a with a group that big, like you said, eighty three players, I don't think everyone's going to have the same viewpoint. Everyone's going to have the same opinion, but at least now I think that so many of them are open to listening to the other person and trying to hear the other person out and making their best effort to have empathy for what the other person might go through. For example. Now, I think I've noticed definitely through a lot of my interviews that, you know, past current white black players were extremely impressed with Joe Burrow's tweet. And George Iloka actually mentioned this specifically. He said, you know, Joe Burrow sent out that tweet, um, the one that everyone's been talking about for weeks now. He goes, he sent out that tweet when it wasn't safe to do and he still did it. So that, that got a lot of respect in the locker room right off the bat. Um, so I, I think that his
0: presence is really going to do
3: a lot to bring these guys, even for even closer together.
0: That's perfect. That brings me right into to where I wanted to go. <laughs> uh, be, because I, I think that, Mike Brown is a a man that kind of does things his way. And that's just how Mm -hmm. it's it's always been. And and that doesn't mean he hasn't changed his mind since 2017. I have no idea. So I I figured I'd ask you because when you take Joe Burrow, number one overall, uh, and you you talk to him and he says, well, I want to be unapologetically myself. And he raises money for the uh, Athens food bank by talking uh, about it during his Heisman trophy speech to the tweet that you mentioned to signing uh, a players coalition letter that went to Mm -hmm. Congress uh, about immunity for police. Uh, So there's so many different ways he's already tried to impact America with his platform. Do you see a potential clash there where the star of the team is is, wants to make an impact off the field, even if it's uncomfortable for some fans and some of the audience and an owner who wants to try to avoid that as much as possible?
3: Well, you know what? I haven't been able to specifically ask Mike Brown about that, but from from my understanding, this is just my point of view and my understanding, obviously, but, you know, Zach Taylor and other coaches chose him for a reason. Not only because of his talent, but they all mentioned to me during the Combine, I was speaking with a lot of the coaching staff and they were saying how much they loved his character and what he stood for and the edge he brought and who he was as a person. And very rarely did they mention his talent because everybody knew what he brought on the field. So I think when you think about a player like that, maybe this is just my opinion, but when you're Mike Brown, you kind of have to open up your, your heart and your mind and try to understand why this is this issue is so important to him. And maybe that will open up his mind to other players stories and why, you know, kneeling is so important to them as well. It's not a lot of them are saying, you know, it doesn't, it's not trying to disrespect the American flag. It is trying to bring awareness and use our platform in that moment and try to bring Um, more eyes to the issues of racial inequality and police brutality. Um, I think a majority of them have played football their whole lives. So they know very well the difference between disrespecting something and respecting something. And I think that they're, they're really trying to make sure that their message is understood. And I think Honestly, 2017 was totally different, James. I don't know if you remember or not, but when Colin Kaepernick took that knee in 2016 at first, a lot of people were talking about just how disrespectful it was and how he was singling himself out and singling himself away from the team, and no one really understood what the heck he was doing. Mm -hmm. And now in 2020, there's been so much education and so much conversation about the reasons behind why that so many people are now understanding. But when you think about what the players were, like what situations the players were in, the players already knew the reasons why. And they were so um, diligently fighting to get other people to understand. And it was essentially, as many players said, their reasons for kneeling were falling on deaf ears. And that totally frustrated them. So I I know I totally got off topic with your question, but... (laughs)
2: I think no. that's all right. I think that that's a good segue into just thinking about the future for this team. Joe Burrow comes in, is a guy that has said, I'm going to use my platform. The Bengals draft mm-hmm. him knowing that he's going to use his platform, praise his character, praise his ability to connect with people as well, right? That That's an important factor. Right. And, and he even talked about, you know, I come from a white town. But, you know, he goes down to LSU and and very quickly wins over uh much more diverse team, let's say, than, than what you would get in the population of Athens, Ohio. So the Bengals mm-hmm. say in, in their statement that they gave you, we would like to allow time for our players and coaches to discuss before before we comment on, on what the way forward is. And Zach Taylor and this young coaching staff, certainly not part of the old guard, right? Seems like a right. little bit more open to these sorts of things. Do you have any feel for what the way forward is for this team? As they seem to be transitioning things to the next generation in the front office, even even the 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 next next generation, for lack of a better term, with Katie Blackburn's daughter coming mm-hmm. in and starting to run social media. Is it truly we don't know where we're going or is it we're, we're stalling for time?
3: Well, I think when when you think about Joe Burrow, and as you mentioned, he grew up in an all white town, essentially in Athens. Um, he, when he let out that tweet that we mentioned earlier, he got a lot of flack with people mentioning, you know, what are you talking about? How would you know? How would you know what you know the black community goes through because you've grown up in an all white town. But here's, in my opinion, here's the key. And it's I only have this key, I think, because I lived it. I was also born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, a very conservative city, in my opinion. Um, I'm predominantly white, where I grew up. But my parents also taught me to have extreme empathy for people on the other side of situations that I was not in. So when I was a kid, I was constantly asked, You know, how would you feel if you were in that situation? How would you react if you were in that situation? How would you feel if someone treated you like that? So I was constantly put in that situation. So growing up, I mean, even today, I constantly ask myself that question when I'm in certain situations. I'm like, how would I react if I were that person? How would I feel if I were in that person's shoes? And I think he's coming from it from that standpoint. I think empathy is underrated. And I know that he got a lot of flack because he lives obviously in a white town, but I, it's very clear that he has empathy for the other side and he's willing to listen. And that says a lot about his character. And now, I mean, I don't know him personally. I haven't been able to sit down with him, but now I kind of see what the coaching staff saw in him. And I think he will be a good bridge between management and the rest of the players. Because management obviously says Joe Burrow's our guy. Number one pick in the 2020 draft. Uh, Zach Taylor is very high on him, obviously. We've heard from him a lot about Joe Burrow. And I think he'll be a very important piece for this organization moving forward.
0: I'm with you. I, I think that he has a power that I'm not sure any Bengals player has had, at least in my lifetime. Like Carson certainly didn't win the power struggle with Mike Brown. Uh, Andy Dalton would never even have a power struggle with Mike Brown, right? And I'm, <laughs> right. Just, I'm trying to think of, of the other options here. And this is the last thing for me, at least. But if Joe Burrow wants to kneel, first off, every other player on that roster is going to kneel. And I think he would be willing to, if he thought, that specifically his black teammates felt like it was the right thing to do. Not that it would be disrespectful to management or disrespectful to Mike Brown if they disagreed. But I think if he wants to kneel, he's going to kneel regardless if Mike Brown's on board or if he wants to have a a quick meeting on a Saturday before a game. I I don't think it's going to matter.
3: Well, that's the thing, too. I mean, I talked to a lot of players about 2017, and I asked, you know, if if that was so important to you, to kneel, why didn't you take a knee? Why not do it? And so many of them mentioned, you know, my livelihood would essentially end. Like they watched what happened to Kaepernick in 2017. And a lot of them mentioned Colin killed his career by kneeling. And when they think about kneeling, not, they think about, yes, their moral convictions with what stands with kneeling, but they also think about, you know, potentially the family members that they support or the things and people that they're responsible for. And they can't make that decision to affect so many different people's lives that they're close to by pulling that card. And with Joe, I'm really glad that Joe is coming up in the era that he is because now it's 2020 now kneeling is so much more accepted now people are understanding the reason behind kneeling so if you can't get behind joe burrow supporting his teammates it it logically it doesn't make sense it doesn't line up if that man's going to kneel go ahead and let him if that is his conviction if he wants to show his support for his teammates and thinks that this is something that's important for him to do. I think they're going to let him do it. I can't see how
2: they wouldn't. That is Elise Jesse from WLWT in Cincinnati. You can follow her at Elise Jesse TV. Go read her piece. She has a very long tweet thread up about the topic as well, including video from Preston Brown and George Iloka. Powerful stuff. Good journalism and a good reporter that we're lucky to have covering the cincinnati bengals elise thanks so much for the time and for the answers really appreciate your insight and your work on this report
3: and thank you so much for having me on it was a pleasure
2: that was elise jesse everyone uh wlwt one of james rapine's friends and wrote a fantastic i would call it an expose james uh, about what what happened back in 2017 we will be back on Friday. We will have a mailbag going up on Thursday. Get your questions in on Twitter and we will answer them for you. Put that episode up on Thursday night as we always do. Until then, Bengals fans, day, and have a good one.
1: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.